Yes? Yeah, I'm registered in this class. What class? This is U.S. history. See the globe right there. Really? Hey. May I come in? Oh, please. Josie's on a vacation far away. Bueller. Bueller. Nobody puts a baby in a corner. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? Live from Members Only Studio, welcome to Living in the 80s. My name is Rob. I am your host today. Today's podcast is going to be just a little bit different than normal. Uh, Usually, I have a co-host joining me. Um, In fact, this is the 37th episode of Living in the 80s. Uh, Episodes 1 and 2, I was by myself. Episodes 3 through 36, I've had somebody along for the ride. So today I wanted to give everyone a break. And um, and I appreciate all all of the co-hosts that come out and and support what we're doing here. Um, My most typical host uh, is uh, co-host is Matt Moore. Uh, Matt is on here a lot for a lot of reasons. For one, he's one of my very best friends. For another, uh, he lives close in proximity to me. Uh, and a third reason is he loves talking about the 80s. So those are great reasons. Plus, about halfway between his house and mine is grandstand pizza which he stops and picks up on his way here so it's the perfect combination so matt is on here a lot and and he always says yes but uh, i wanted to give him a break this week uh kevin ackley is also another uh person who's been on here quite a few times and he lives way on the other side of town so it takes him about a half hour to 45 minutes just to get here I mean, we have a really great time when we're together. So here's how a typical night uh, doing a Living in the 80s podcast goes. We usually do it on Tuesday nights uh, because that seems to be the one night no one's doing anything. And I will have them over to my home at about 5.30 or 6 p.m., uh, we spend the first half hour or so uh, talking about what the show is going to be that that day, and uh, and we eat pizza. And Grandstand has been the pizza lately. Like we live in Central Ohio, and the typical pizza around here is a thinner crust, uh, maybe a little bit of crispness to it, and it's it's absolutely awesome. But uh, lately, Matt and I in particular have kind of uh, wanted a little different style so we get the thick crust from Grandstand which is kind of like a a New York style traditional pizza Um, it's amazing so that's kind of been our thing lately but uh, I digress so I wanted to give everybody a break and I just wanted to talk today about why I love the 80s so much plus I promise I will do something I have never done before you're going to get the chance to peek behind the veil and learn how to make a mixtape. But before I do that, uh, I just wanted to 
I'll put a quick plug in for the different outlets that support Living in the 80s. So you can listen to Living in the 80s, easy for me to say, on Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and many, many more. Uh, You can also listen to us on star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where this podcast is played frequently. Check those sites out for details on when to listen. Um, Also, uh, be sure to check out our website, uh, livinginthe80s.us. And probably the, the way that most people have found out about this podcast is through our Facebook page, Uh, So go to Facebook, look for Living in the 80s, you'll find us. Uh, So again, I can't thank you guys enough for for joining in. Uh, I I want you guys to do something different this week. Um, Every every so often I'll look at our statistics, like how many people listen and so forth, and and there's quite a few, and I kind of wonder, like I can see the countries they're from, but that's about it. So... Those of you guys that are friends with me, send me a text message or an instant message like, hey, listen to the podcast this week. I just want to know who's listening. That's all. Okay, cool. So my inspiration this week uh, for this week's topic of why I love the 80s so much uh, came from a good friend of mine, Jeff Bliss. Now, Jeff and I went to middle school and high school together had not seen or heard from him in a long many many years like since graduation i never i never saw him but thanks to facebook uh, we have reconnected we do some fantasy football leagues together he's a frequent contributor to the living in the 80s facebook page and and one of the nicest guys you're ever going to want to meet so uh jeff had posted something here that he had he'd found a podcast and on the podcast, uh, it, it's called Everything 80s. Now, the host was talking about why he loved the 80s so much. Now, just kind of put in perspective, he admittedly stated at the beginning of the podcast that he was born in the late 70s, so he was a child of the 80s. Uh, Personally, I was born in the mid-60s. I was a child of the 70s and a teenager in the 80s, which I feel was the best time to grow up. Uh, So some of the things that that he talked about will overlap this podcast, but we are looking at things from a completely different lens. For example, I never played with toys in the 80s, but I drove a car. Um, I hung out at different places and did completely different life experiences than someone who would have been a child of the 80s. So um, that's where we're coming from today. So uh, while listening to his podcast, he, he coined a phrase that was very interesting to me that I'd never heard before. It's something I've always thought about but never knew it had a term. Uh, That term is called golden age thinking. This is where we sort of look back with rose-colored glasses at the time period we grew up in. Let's be honest, most things seem better when you were a kid or a teenager. Ask anyone who grew grew up in any decade, they will tell you that's when things were best. 
sports were better, music and movies were better, uh, TV was better. It was just a better time to be alive. And nothing against the 50s, the 60s, or the 70s, but I think this group is pretty much in about the same camp where we grew up in the 80s, and those are the times we remember fondly. That was our decade. Uh, we went to high school in the 80s. We learned how to drive. We first fell in love and first fell out of love. We have a unique perspective on life because it was our life. These were the days we look back on fondly. We still love the music, movies, fashion, or lack thereof. This was our life before we were forced to be adults and all the responsibilities that went along with it. So you see, we love the 80s, not just because of when it took place, but how it took place in our lives. Those were just really good times, and that's why we like it there. So this is my own personal list. Like we typically do around here, we're going to go in countdown fashion from 10 to 1 as far as what I what I love and remember most fondly about the 80s. And you're also going to get a lesson in how to make mixtapes, as promised. So buckle up, kids. Here we go. Number 10. The number 10 thing... I love about the 80s so much is the TV shows. Um, shows like Miami Vice, Family Ties, The Cosby Show, Dukes of Hazard, Moonlighting, ALF, and of course, Saturday Night Live. We did an entire podcast on SNL. And these shows, now when you look back at them, I don't know if they've all aged real well, but at the time we were watching them, uh, they were great. Uh, a lot of times I'll... I will go look for some of these shows, uh, you know, on online or through a Roku or something and try to find some of these shows. And I still enjoy them, uh, partially, I think, because of the nostalgia. But uh, TV really helped us, particularly people my age um, when we were younger. Like, this this was our outlet um uh, for humor this is where we you know we learned our sense of humor this is where we learned about fashion um was from tv and, uh, and you can see pictures of us from back then and you can you can see that <laughs> very clearly so uh yeah tv shows um again i won't spend a whole lot of time on on every one of these subjects but uh, tv shows are one of the things i, I really enjoyed about the 80s and uh you know, go back, watch some old shows, get watch some old Family Ties episodes or um, or Moonlighting. Again, I can't say enough. There, there's so many shows out there that you could watch on your own. But for me, uh, my number 10 thing were, were the TV shows. Number nine. Number nine was the movies. So different from the TV shows, the movies had this this different feel about them, just like they do now. Um, movies like Back to the Future, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, The Breakfast Club, E.T., Goonies, Stand By Me, the Indiana Jones movies, the Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, and The Empire Strikes Back. Like These were blockbuster, huge movies in the 80s. And I remember uh, it was 1989, but uh, when Batman 
came out, Michael Keaton. I mean, that was such a huge event. So we loved going to the movies, uh, going to the theater and sitting down and just enjoying that experience. Uh, I know in these, uh, during 2020, that's kind of not really a thing or hasn't been a thing for the last several months. Um, I, I kind of miss going to the theater and watching the previews and, and, and sitting and enjoying the movies. And, um, you know, I, I would like to get back to that. I mean, I know Top Gun 2 comes out next year, and I don't usually get too excited about movies, about particular movies, but that one, for some reason, it's like the only movie on the horizon I'm really looking forward to. I don't know what else is even coming out, so uh, looking forward to that one. So, yeah, uh, we we love the experience of going to the movies. Um Another thing I'm, I'm noticing here that sitting here by myself uh, with nobody to bounce a conversation off of, this whole podcast may take 10 minutes. I don't know. Uh, I do know that I, I've got some more extensive notes on some of the other things we're doing here. But uh, yeah, my, my number nine uh, is, is definitely uh, the movies. Number eight. Number eight on things I remember fondly from the 80s was fashion, uh, what we wore. And I, I look back at pictures of myself from back then, and sometimes I wonder, what was I thinking when I got dressed that day? I saw a, a picture of me and some friends, and I had these... This was, again, like mid-80s. I had on these short shorts... Uh, they were Ocean Pacific. I could see like the OP on the pocket. But I'm thinking, what in the world was I thinking when I woke up that day and wore that? At the time, we thought it was really cool. Um, I, it wasn't uncommon for me to wear a members-only jacket. I had a gray one and a black one. I would kind of alternate those. Uh, I had a jean jacket I wore for a few years, too. It had uh, buttons of like rock bands on there, like uh, The Police and The Clash and U2. Um, I remember wearing that a lot. Uh, last week, me and Matt and John talked about uh, wearing trench coats. We all wore trench coats back then for, for whatever reason, probably because we thought we were going to look like Bender from The Breakfast Club. So trench coats were, uh, were the thing. Always wore jeans. No matter what, uh, jeans were always my go-to. Levi's, preferably. Tennis shoes. So, um, back then, I was more of a Nike guy. But, I had some Reeboks when they first came out. I had some uh, some some Tigers or Asics. Uh, had a, a couple pairs of Adidas, a couple pairs of Pumas. I had uh, these blue suede Pumas I liked a lot. Um, those were uh, my fashion go-to. And, of course, the hairstyle. He had a mullet. I'm not ashamed to say that. Except here's a funny fact. So I remember being in high school and we had, uh, we were in a singles living class. It was like, it was like home ec where they kind of taught you how to, to cook and you know, the way to best way to clean a kitchen and things like that. Basically it was a blow off class for a credit, but it was very helpful. I actually enjoyed that class more than I thought I would. Uh, but one time there was a, a hairstylist that came in. And uh, I just remembered this not that long ago. And 
we were she was talking about you know they had to go to classes and and keep up with the current hairstyles and she was talking about what what we call the mullet she's like and she was talking about how to cut it and how to hold the scissors and things like that but the haircut at that time was called a a, a bi-level yes the mullet was called the bi-level by hairstylists apparently in fact, the word mullet I never even heard till probably two thousand or later. I I still don't know where the where the word mullet came from, but I had one. I even had one permed at one time. I'm sitting here. I feel like it's confession time. I'm sitting on my psychologist's couch, which explains a lot about me. I think today <laughs> it's my my questionable choices in fashion and hairstyle. So. Very transparent here and living in the 80s. <laughs> but uh, I spent a lot of time um, uh, at Chess King and Silverman's. They were, they were stores uh, in the mall that uh, I would you know, go to and, and buy fashions and buy fashions, buy clothes. <laughs> uh, the women fashion, women, man, why am I having a hard time with, with talking about clothes and fashion? Probably because I was never really very good at it. But I remember the women, uh, girls would uh, have like shoulder pads, and everything was, particularly with the women, very bright colors in the 80s. Uh, not just on the commercials and the TV shows you see, but like real life girls would, would wear that. And the hair was very big, and uh, lots of uh, bracelets and things like that. I remember girls wearing wrestling boots. So if you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Jeannie's wearing wrestling boots, and you can see a close-up of her ASIC boot as she's kicking Mr. Rooney in the face, if you kind of freeze-frame that. So that was that was kind of a, of the girl fashion, which I can't speak to real intelligently because, you know, I don't remember a lot about what the girls wear wore back then. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on fashion either because, uh, you know, I'm not good at it. Number seven. Number seven on things I remember fondly about the 80s was the shopping mall. So from the time I was a, a kid, we would go to the mall from time to time. My mom was a big fan of J.C. Penney, so we would go to the mall. But as a teenager, that mall experience changed a little bit. Um, it went from, you know, the place you go to get your school clothes once a year to the place you hung out on the weekends. So, uh, you can do everything at the mall. Uh, you can see people from other schools there. Uh, you can, uh, go to the food court and hang out. You can go to Orange Julius or, um, there was a, a, a pizza place there whose name I can't remember, <laughs> but um, you would be able to go and, and just kind of see humanity there. And in the mall in the 80s, a lot of teenagers hung out. So you've all seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was, it was very much like that. That movie does such a great job at portraying teenage life in the 80s. I know here in uh, Columbus, our malls, we never had like a double-decker mall. We had, uh, our three malls were Northland, Eastland, and Westland. And those malls were, took up a ton of space, but they were all one level. So there were like 80 stores spread out amongst a lot of 
of area. They would like, you know, angle off like in an L shape. The mall might be, but um, they uh, they weren't like these double decker malls like in Fast Times at Ridgemont High or Weird Science or any of these movies. Uh, I did go to a couple of those, and we we had a couple of those later on. Uh, when the city center was built downtown in Columbus, uh, it was three levels, and we thought that was amazing. Uh, but yeah, the mall—you could do everything there. You can eat there, you can buy clothes there, you can meet people there. Um, it was a great place. Um, if you guys have seen Stranger Things, uh, the show on Netflix, if you haven't, go see it. They do such a great job at um, capturing the, the the look and feel of the '80s. But uh, in the I believe it's the third season. Um, it takes place uh, mostly at a shopping mall, and they did such a good job because they actually built the facility that they did the filming in, and they they captured it really, really well. So, and the shopping mall was uh, again a, a great place to go and see people, and you know it was uh, you can go play video games, you can hang out with friends, you can do whatever. So. Yeah, my uh, my numbers, uh, whatever were on there, seven, <laughs> was the the shopping mall. Number six. Number six is video games. So a couple months ago, um, Matt and I were joined by our friend Joel, who um, we talked all about '80s video games and our favorite games and. Uh, the evolution of the video gaming system and you know game rooms, uh, arcades at the mall, and so forth. So Joel actually has a podcast called "Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade." So uh, go check that out if you guys want some good in-depth information about video games. Go there. But I know uh, I personally, when uh, I was, I'm going to guess. Seventh or eighth grade, so this would have been 1979, 1980 ish. Um, We got our first Nintendo system, and me and my brother Chuck, we spent hours playing Donkey Kong and Pac Man and Pitfall and Frogger and Centipede and some of these games. We just had a blast, and we would play it and get better and better at it. And then, you know, you go from playing Donkey Kong on your, you know, 19-inch TV to then going to the mall and playing it actually at an arcade was just an amazing experience. So uh, kids would congregate at at the uh, at the video arcade, and, and the games were so much fun. Um, it, it just whenever I'm playing a video game now, it brings me back to my my young teenage years or my childhood. So again, it, it's a blast. Uh, so video games very fondly um, are was my number six. Number five. Number five, the cars, not the band, although the band was awesome. Um, I'm talking about the motor vehicles that you drove around. So Randy and I did a an episode a couple months ago about cars of the 80s. And in the 80s, I really wanted an 80s car, a Camaro or Firebird. Uh, I love those cars, Corvettes. Uh, we all, of course, wanted a, a DeLorean. 
But um, my first car was a 1967 Chevelle. And I loved that car. Not only was it my first car, but it was a pretty amazing car. And uh, true story, um, I used to race that car around, you know, from red lights and stuff. You see people with other and nicer hot rod type cars. And they'd always want to race you. And I never, I never lost a race in that car. <laughs> so I uh, hope my mom and dad aren't listening because I'll be grounded for sure. But um, that's uh, our cars. We loved them. We would uh, do everything we could to to soup them up, make them clean, tint the windows. Uh, some cars had spoilers on the back. Um, they were just like that was our own little haven, our own getaway. Uh, we would you know take our tapes with us and pop them in the tape deck and listen to them or listen to the radio, and uh, just kind of our own. It's like our own little home away from home and um, pile friends in and, and go places. And that's how we got around. That is how, uh, like when I look back at my times of hanging out with friends and stuff in, in the 80s, I think about whatever car I was driving at the time. And uh, as we we look back and, and you think about like cars you've had and, and places you've gone and stuff... It, there's something very nostalgic that brings you back. I mean, who would not want to go back to their own original first car today and just drive around town in it? The tendencies the car had, the way it handled, um, it, it's amazing. Again, um, I'll take the uh, the line from, I think her name was Iona in Pretty in Pink. She's like, I'm just going to OD in nostalgia one day. I'm probably going to do that myself, uh, but uh, the cars of the that we had in the '80s were they were like our friends. So my number five is uh, my car. Number four. Number four, high school. Now, don't get me wrong; I could not wait to graduate from high school. I hated getting up early every morning, going to school, and being lectured to for seven hours. Everything else I loved. Like, I loved lunchtime and study hall. I could sit with my friends and have conversations and laugh and cut up and, and you know, just the, the things you're supposed to do as a teenager, not learn junk. Gosh. But um, I, the one thing I regret from back then is that I wasn't a little more outgoing. Um, in, in, in my circle of friends, I was very... Uh, outgoing, um, laughed a lot. I, I think I have a good sense of humor. I think I did back then too, but I didn't really share that with as many people back then. Uh, I, I guess I was kind of, uh, I, we, we talked last week about, um, the, the character missing in the breakfast club was the average guy. Like I was the guy in the hall you would pass and, and just kind of think, Oh, that's that guy pass every day. He's a nice guy, but you know, never really give that guy much thought a really cool thing has happened though over the last 10 years or so thanks to facebook i have been able to connect with a lot of people i went to school with and a lot of them i didn't really know very well and i've had the privilege of uh, helping set up uh, class reunions over the last uh, 10 years or so like i said and uh, I've got a chance to know a ton of people. And 
it would be neat to go back in time and to have relationships with a lot of the people that I didn't really know as well then and, and kind of kept those relationships through the years. But I'm very thankful. I live in the town I went to high school in, so I see people out a lot. And like I said, during class reunions and things like that, I, I've had the opportun- opportunity to, uh, to, to really connect with people. So uh, I look back at high school fondly for the memories I had and the people I hung out with. Would I have uh, done things a little bit different? Of course. I think we all look back at our lives and think, I would like to do this thing different. I wish I would have done that different. Um, No regrets. No regrets in my life whatsoever. But, uh, you know, I would like, like the chance to do some things over. So high school is my number four. So we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back with my top three. Number three. Number three, The Weekends. That's what I have in my notes anyway. Uh, that's also going to incorporate our friends and things like that. So I put a request out near the beginning of the podcast, episode one, two, three, something like that, and started asking people. Where did you hang out at in the eighties? Like, what were your, what were the places you frequented? Tell me about your town and so forth. And I got about a dozen or so. I was expecting like fifty, <laughs> so that didn't really happen. But I did appreciate those dozen or so people that uh, that that chimed in. So, we, like I mentioned earlier, in high school, I was kind of like that kid in the hall. Um, I had friends. I had a ton of friends. A lot of my friends were people I went to church with, uh, went to different high schools. Um, we didn't sit around and, and sing kumbaya and hold hands and things like that. We did what normal teenagers do, but we just, I had known these people for years and years and years and just, we just kind of always gravitated toward each other. And so our weekends were amazing. Like I endured high school so I could get to Friday night. And I love the weekend so much. I even have a playlist called 80s Friday Night. It's got 33 songs on there. Uh, I need to probably add some more. But these are just personal memories. Like These are songs I remember that remind me of, of the weekend. So something special about getting in the car and going with your friends to the mall or the local pizza place or wherever whatever place you wanted to hang out at whether it's actually at your friend's house um wherever it just i think being with people that you like no matter where you're at is a ton of fun and on the weekends you can like stay overnight at each other's houses uh sit up and laugh all night do whatever shenanigans come up and i think each person listening here has got this these people they knew they hung that they hung out with they knew they could be completely transparent around and there are special unique one of a kind memories that you would like just love to go back and live all over again so i have those people um at different different phases of of my of the eighties for me, like the early eighties, uh, my, my best friend from, um, middle school, high school, 
um, one of my best friends was was uh, my friend Jim, and we lived uh, you know right one street away. We can like hop a fence and be in each other's houses, and we would we would hang out and just you know we're younger, so we're just like listening to music together and talking about girls that would never kiss us and things like that. Uh, and then my friends David and Art, uh, you guys have heard me talk about them several times. Like, I literally did life with these guys. Uh, they went to a different high school, but on the weekends, like, we were almost inseparable from Friday night until Sunday night. Uh, we were always getting into something, um, you know, whether it was uh, just hanging out, listening to music, or you know, double dating, or... Um, you know, going to the mall, doing whatever. So, I mean, so, so much fun, so many good times back then. And again, we all have these unique memories that, that are very special and specific to us that we can't possibly explain to somebody else or try to duplicate. We just got these memories and these, these places in our heart that these people fit into um, I, I had lots of friends at my, like I mentioned, at my church that we would hang out. We, we'd go to church youth group activities, but we'd always hang out outside of that, too. Um, and then later on, um, I had uh, another group of friends that I spent a lot of time around after, you know, all of my friends were getting married. And I was the last of my, my group of friends that got married back then. But uh, this new group of friends from a, a different church that I went to, uh, that's where I met Matt and John and uh, quite a few others. Like, we have these other unique memories. So, again, these things took place on the weekends. So the weekends in the 80s were amazing. And uh, things I would not trade for the world. And I think everybody here could probably think back to some good times and they always involve some great people so my number three the weekends number two number two the music you're expecting that to be my number one weren't you you have to wait for number one <laughs> the music we listen to um came from all different sources whether it be the radio uh Walkman, a boombox, which we used to call ghetto blasters, uh, our home stereos, our car stereos. Um, MTV changed the way we listened to music. Um, prior to MTV, um, we'd have to find new music on the radio. Uh, so I bought a lot of 45s. Those are singles, single songs on a record. You guys know this. I'm not talking to a dumb crowd here. <laughs> uh, albums, cassettes, and then finally, towards the end of the 80s, I was buying CDs. But uh, MTV came along and changed the way we listened to music. Uh, I have an entire podcast uh, about MTV and its origins and how it changed what we did. But it, it truly did. Um, music was the soundtrack of our of our coming of age years. So from 1980 to 1989, uh, the music changed a lot. And so we kind of changed with it. Um, whether it was in the movies we watched, uh, listening to music in the car at the beach with our friends, whatever. Um, we had music with us everywhere we went and what a great decade of music. Uh, 
today I was looking at uh, the music charts on uh, on on Apple Music, just trying to find something different to listen to. And uh, they had the top 100 list, Billboard's top 100 list as a playlist currently. So I open it up and start looking at it. I'm like, I hadn't heard of any of this stuff. So I start, you know, clicking on some of them, just kind of listen to samples. And um, I wasn't liking what I was hearing, kids. Not at all. Until I saw, like, the number 66 song <laughs> was uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> so with that stupid TikTok video that became a commercial or whatever, kids are actually discovering real music. So maybe if they started dropping 80s songs into, which I know that song was like 1977, but if they started dropping 80s songs into uh, commercials regularly and so these kids can be exposed to good music, they would not know what hit them. Uh, our charts would look completely different. If they found that one song being so good, there's so much more that they're missing out on. Now, I know I sound like the old geezer. I don't really care. I do listen to some modern music too, but not any of the stuff you'll hear on the radio. So, the music was great back then. We loved it. So many of our memories, I think the reason we love the music so much um, it goes back to what I had uh, said earlier um, about the golden age thinking. Uh, so many of our memories are tied to the music we listen to and vice versa. So, you know, I, I know when I hear a certain song, I can think of a certain friend, a certain time period, where I was, what girl I was dating when that song was out. Uh, what car I was driving, so on and so forth. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said about um, about the music back then. Um, I, again, I think it was the most eclectic time for music as well because, you know, at the end of 1979, we're kind of um, coming out of the disco era, although a lot of the disco sounds were still kind of... Um, in the songs in the first couple years of the 80s too so we had that and then new wave was coming on and then heavy metal had a presence I'm, i know a lot of friends i hung out with uh listened to some of the heavy metal stuff too but some of my other friends are listening to more of this new wave stuff um you know b-52s and the clash and the police and u2 and this kind of stuff and then the pop music of the time so there's a, a lot out there um, I can't go on and on and on enough about how much I love music from that era. But uh, luckily for you, I'm going to stop right now. And that just means uh, we've got one left. Number one. The number one thing I love about the 80s is the mixtape. Now, it may not be my true number one, but it does rank up there pretty high because I made a lot of mixtapes in the 80s, either for myself or for other people. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to rewind back to the 70s, like uh, 75, 76, 77-ish. And uh, I used to, at about this time, I'm starting to buy my own records uh, with my paper route money. And I would usually buy two or three a week. And so I was getting myself a little collection going. And I wanted to make a, a tape with my records on there. So I would have them forever. Uh, so uh, what, I, what happened, we had this, this large stereo. So 
I think a lot of you guys probably had these growing up. There's a big piece of furniture, um, and you lift the lid on the top of it, and there inside was like a turntable record player, uh, an an eight track player, and an AM FM AFC receiver inside. And my dad had bought a, a portable cassette player uh, to you know listen to tapes on, but he found figured out a way to plug a microphone jack into the cassette player and the other end was two RCA cables that could go to the back of this uh, stereo system. There is an option inside the stereo called um, auxiliary. So I could make recordings of my cassettes uh, or of my records onto cassette without any background noise. I thought this was wonderful. So I would like take some like some of the records I listened to back then uh, I distinctly remember Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell. I remember New Kid in Town by the Eagles. I remember Billy Don't Be a Hero by Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. So those those records always, whenever I hear those songs, it brings me back to childhood. But I would make these tapes. And boy, I wish that I had some of those today. Uh, I would love to listen to them, uh, see what I was listening to back then and so forth. Sadly, I do not. But as time got, went on, I began to hone my skills as a um, as a mixtape master, and um, so I, I what you're about to hear here, here 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 <laughs> is a a lifetime of um, of wisdom from a man who made a lot of mixtapes. So first of all, you have to have good equipment um garbage equipment is not gonna is not gonna sound good you can't have um uh, just subpar equipment to make these tapes that you're going to keep the rest of your life and uh so i found out that my favorite turntable was a techniques turntable uh, i first used one of this uh, at david yuska's house his dad had this great stereo system and he had this Techniques turntable, and it made the record sound so much better than like a normal, uh, a normal one would. We'd always wipe down the records so that there wasn't any static or dust or crap on them. Um, he always made sure that the needle was 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 fresh. He would change the needle out from time to time. So this was probably, in my opinion, the best turntable to use in making a great mixtape. Uh, my favorite um, cassette deck was it a TAC W1200 dual cassette deck. Uh, you could you could do high speed dubbing if you needed to. You could do it in real time. Uh, cassette to cassette was absolutely the most wonderful invention of the 80s. Better than any any video gaming system. Better than the internet. Better than anything was the dual cassette player. Uh, and then. You can't just use cheap tapes either. Let's be honest. You're not going to just go get a Radio Shack tape to make a mixtape for your girlfriend. No, you have to get the good stuff. So the Maxell XL290 was always my um, cassette tape of choice. Had better clarity. Uh, the, the bases were deeper. The treble was perfect. It was the the best way of all time to listen to music was on a Maxell uh, XL290 cassette. So you've got your system, you've got your 
your tapes together. Now you've got to put together your music. Now, there's there's a couple different things to do here. First of all, if you're making a, a mixtape for just yourself, you don't really have to be as careful. You just put on there whatever you're feeling at that moment, pop them all on a tape, go out to your car, put it in the cassette deck, drive away, and listen to your creation. That's wonderful. But there's also the uh, making the tape for somebody else. Now, this could be a friend of yours. This could be a love interest. This could be you know just about anybody. So the first rule of making a mixtape is know your audience. You cannot put a bunch of heavy metal on a tape for a girl that really would rather hear uh, some slower DeBarge or Michael Jackson type stuff. Don't try to push music on people. They don't, they don't like it. Um, number two, do not duplicate artists. This is one of the things that grinds my gears. Now, if you are doing a greatest hits uh, mixtape, or if you're specifically doing two of each artist, then it's okay. But you know, don't just randomly put two songs by uh, Duran Duran on a tape when there's not any two songs of any other artist on the whole tape. You kind of ruin your flow and your credibility. And uh, as a side note here, you can never, ever put any songs by Cher, Barbara Streisand, Barry Manilow, or Air Supply ever on any tape. Even if it's requested, do not put it on there. you got to remember, your name is always going to be attached to that tape. And if you're going to go out there and put a Barbara Streisand song on something that's got your name attached to it, you might as well go hide your head in the sand someplace because no one's ever going to trust you musically ever, ever, ever again. Number two, or number three, don't get too obscure. It's okay to put a, a good album cut uh, of a song like, uh, say, Canary in a Coal Mine by The Police, or uh, It's Not the Night by The Cars. You can put something like this onto a mixtape because people may not have known that. They know The Police. They know The Cars. This may not be a song that they readily know. Go ahead and slip one in here or there. It's okay. They'll forgive you for it. And they'll probably thank you for it because you've turned them on to some really cool music of a band they may already like but not know a lot about. You can't do too many of these on a mixtape, but slipping in one or two on a 90-minute tape, it's not a bad thing at all. You could even slip in some more obscure artists. Like if you want to drop in like a Someday Someway by Marshall Crenshaw, or Cruel to be Kind by Nick Lowe, or maybe like a Live It Up by Mental as Anything. Those are three songs I just named that are very good songs and surprisingly did not get a ton of airplay. But just like with putting a, a deeper album cut on something, you can only put a couple of these on a, on a mixtape. You know, two or three, slip them in there. Um, you know, in a ninety-minute tape. You, you know, again, people will thank you for turning them on to something. Another thing you can't do: don't get too obscure. No matter the crowd, 
most people are not going to want to hear something by the Flower Pot Men or Fugazi or the Trash Can Sinatras. Stay in your lane. Now, you may have somebody that says, you know what, make me a mixtape of crap I've never heard of before that you think is good stuff. Then you you have free liberty to do what you want. But if you're making a mixtape for somebody else, you really can't you can't be going around putting stuff on there that's again, it won't ruin your credibility as much as putting a share song on, but it definitely will ruin your credibility. Now, one thing to keep in mind when you're making a mixtape, particularly for someone else, you got to remember this is someone else's art. You're using that to say what you feel. So basically, you're saying it without saying a word. So it's sort of like a, a letter to them, like a love letter to them, if it's a girl. And we'll start there. So if you're making, say for example, a mixtape of love songs, and you are doing it for you and a girl. Now, there were many times that I had friends that would have me make mixtapes for their girlfriend and they just kind of trusted me to make love songs so there's not quite as much pressure but if you're doing it for yourself to another girl got to be very careful the songs that you select again refer back it may be tempting to put that air supply song on there but it is hokey crap and your name is attached to it forever you don't want that girl years later to see you on the street and you're remembered as the guy that put Lost in Love on the mixtape. Because if she's with a friend, she's going to poke her in the ribs with the elbow and say, hey, remember that mixtape that guy made me with the Air Supply song? Yep, that's him right there. And about that time, you don't see her, but you're... You're drinking a slushy or something, and some of it oozes out of the straw and squirts down your shirt, and you're looking like an idiot. So then you become air supply slushy guy that has a messy shirt. You got to be very, very careful. So one thing you want to do, you want you want to start off strong, but not tr- too strong. The number one song, the very beginning of your love song mixtape, has got to be the third best song on your tape. Here's why. With a very good song, you suddenly have your audience listening. The number two song on the tape, you want to cool it down a little bit. You don't want to waste all your momentum on just your first two songs. But song three should be the best song on the entire Thing. Like maybe if you have a song that is your song, drop it right there. That way you've got a very captive audience. You play throughout the rest of the tape and it's wonderful. And the very last song, the very last song on your on your tape needs to be your second best song on the whole tape. Record companies mess up when they make albums because they kind of put filler stuff as song. 10 or 11 or 12, whatever the last song on the album is. 
That's a big mistake to me. You want them to come back and play that thing over and over again and tell their friends about it. So be very, very careful to do that. Now, if you are making a, a mixtape of not love songs, of normal, everyday road trip songs or songs you know, that your friends like to chill to or whatever, there's not nearly as many rules. You can kind of freeform a whole lot more. So a couple things I like to do when I'm making mixtapes. For one, I like to put comedy clips between songs. It's a fun little thing I started to do. Uh, I remember when, back in the day, I would listen to QFM 96. Uh, it was a radio station here in Columbus, Ohio. And one thing they would do, they would put little funny comedy clips sometimes between songs. Uh, this cracked me up, so I started doing this myself. And so, you know, what you do, you, you find a an obscure clip. Maybe it may not be too obscure, but you just find a, a movie clip or a TV clip or some other soundbite. Maybe if it's a funny part of a commercial or something. And you uh, put that back-to-back -back with a song. Now, it's very important to make sure that, this, that the comedy clip matches with the song that follows it. You don't want them to be out of sync. It's going to sound really weird. So here is an example of what I'm talking about. I've got the hair. I've got the teeth. I've got the eyes. Oh, Piggy, look outside that window. I've got the car. I'm the lead singer. I'm the man. So what I did there is I took a clip from Peggy Sue Got Married and merged it with Train in Vain by The Clash. So if you listen to those two together, they kind of make sense. I have been collecting those little sound clips for probably 35 years. So I've got uh, a library of little sound clips and old radio commercials and TV commercials and movie clips and and just stuff. Like, I'll watch a movie and think, oh, that's funny. And I'll kind of record that or find the clip somewhere and, uh, and you know, kind of use it that way. So you may be listening to this and thinking, you know what, Rob? I don't have a cassette recorder, let alone a dual deck one. I don't have this nice stereo system. Well, you're in luck because we live in a more modern age where you don't need true cassettes to make a good mixtape. Uh, you could uh, make a, a playlist for yourself or somebody else. And I like to use iTunes because it is, uh, I like the interface. I mean, it's very similar to Spotify. I like iTunes interface better. Uh, it's just kind of easier for me with my history of, of iTunes music. So let's evolve to Apple Music and I can, I can use those together easy that way. And I can still use my sound clips and things like that. 
and I can burn those to CDs if I need to or do whatever. So there's like true story. Um, my wife Leah, since we first got married, every Valentine's Day I make her a mix CD. Um, yes, I burn a CD every year and give it to her. Now, I also make it on a playlist, so it's a little easier to listen to without having to find a CD player. And, you know, these are unique love songs. And I'll tell you what, after uh, being with her for 11 Valentine's Days now, it's a stretch sometimes to find good music, because I'll sometimes do themes, like uh, uh, an 80s one I did once. Uh, I did a country one one time. Uh, one of my favorites, though, is one year I did one with, like, the best of both worlds. So I had love songs on there that weren't necessarily the romantic ballad-type things. But they were songs maybe about love, uh, but maybe they're a little more upbeat. And I would put comedy clips in like I would do, you know, back in the day. And well, I, I still do that some today. So I, I was able to kind of do that, and uh, I'm going to close the show out. Uh, with uh, a clip of something uh, I thought was kind of cool and creative that I did. But uh, I used uh, Depeche Mode's um, can't, Just Can't Get Enough, uh, which is a, a great, great love song, but not romantic, uh, not the ballad-type thing. So I'll close with that. So you have got um, Rob's how-to on the best way to make mixtapes. You may have your own way to do it. There are truly no rules. But uh, whenever I do anything like that, I I definitely concentrate on some of the the points I gave you. And you may, you may be laughing. You may be sitting there slapping your knee and going, this guy has lost his mind. He truly does think it's 1985 and he's making mixtapes. You may be right. But... In any event, I do put effort and energy into those. So that's all we got this week. Uh, next week is going to be a great show because we're going to be talking about uh, hair bands of the 80s. You know, Poison and Motley Crue and Rat and those kind of bands. And I've got a very special guest that is a great authority on the subject. So you're going to have to tune in next week to hear that. But it is going to be a great show. So that's all I got for now. You guys have an awesome week. We'll see you next time. Look, I may not know women slick, but I know men. I know what a man who digs a woman looks like. And you, slick, are a man who digs a woman. That's adorable.